I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I Usually my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Sometimes you just got to think through things. It is me, the Shogun, on a Monday morning. What, Chris? And I'm telling you, I think I'm going to start doing this thing because I'm a bad person, I do things all the time that just make me laugh. Like my sons, all have, they always have bruises because they're sons. 
And every time I'll say, oh, man, that one, that one looks bad. Come over here. Let me see it. And then I'll poke it. Be like, dad, and run away. So I'm a bad person, but I've decided on Monday mornings, I'm just going to be extra peppy because nobody wants to be here. <laughs> have, you, have you ever worked with somebody like that? I worked with a guy like that once. Yeah, baby. Mondays. Yeah, you want to kill that person. No, it's going to be a wild day today. The U.S. Army halting the gender-neutral fitness test so women can start doing better. Oregon handing out 123 big ones for slavery reparations. And sports parents. This one might cut some of you deep. Everyone else is going to relate to it, though. Now, let's rewind just a bit. When I say just a bit, we're rewinding to before Christ, about 100 years before Christ. It's actually the year 112-ish. Don't worry about that. We're pre-Christ. We're going to ancient Rome. This is not taking place in Rome, and this is not the Roman emperor era. This is pre-Julius Caesar, all that. Now, we're not too pre-Julius Caesar, but at this point in time, Rome is still run really by the Senate. They have a couple proconsuls. They're basically like presidents, maybe a little less power than a president, but they only serve one-year terms, and there's two of them. It's very weird. And I will say, to their credit, I think we would be a lot better off if we copied this model. Their proconsuls were almost always generals, men who would lead men into combat. And lots of the time, these generals were in combat. It was not at all uncommon. Go look at the history of the Roman Empire, how many consuls died in combat. Think about, think about how much differently your country would view war and deployments and extended things if the president of the United States himself is in the foxhole right next to you with taking rounds. You think maybe we'd be a little more reserved about things? And, and get this, back then, as you well know, it wasn't just you. Your sons grew up learning about how important that was. If you were one of the higher classes... Part of your son's growing up was military training and military conquest. And guess what your Uncle Bob did? So, and guess what Uncle Jerry did? And get, you could, your great-grandfather led this battle. You grow up thinking, well, I have to do that too, and off to war you go. Not at all uncommon for a great general and his son to both die in combat, as happened to the Roman Crassus. But setting all that aside... There's this place called Carthage, and no, don't get excited. This isn't the Punic War show. Well, any one of the three Punic Wars, it's none of this. But you need to understand a little bit about the Carthage-Roman situation before we can get to where we are. Carthage and Rome, when they first started having their squabbles, you would have looked at it on paper and said, eh, I give Rome a chance. There's certainly... Young and upcoming and, and impressive, no doubt, no doubt impressive, but obviously Carthage is going to win. 
look, it's Carthage. Carthage was, you can picture the Mediterranean in your mind. You got the Italian boots sticking out in the middle of it. Carthage was northern Africa, modern-day Tunisia. Northern Africa. Don't worry about Tunisia. Don't worry about that. Just know it was a major, major, major seaport. They got stupid rich on all the shipping, goods, back and forth. And I mean stupid rich. There was going to be an inevitable clash between them and this up-and-comer to the north. Rome wins the first war. That's the first of the Punic Wars. Then they get in the second Punic War. This is the one where you, we have the great general Hannibal Barca wiping out multiple gigantic Roman armies. But eventually he can't get the support from Carthage he needs. Goes back home. They lose the second Punic War too. Which brings us to the third Punic War. Rome, after the second Punic War, did... Remember what we did to Germany after World War I? Rome essentially did that to Carthage after the Second Punic War. You can't have this. You can't have that. We're going to take hostages from you. And they put this absurd... Rome essentially... Only Rome was pretty open about it. What they did to Carthage after the Second Punic War was simply set up... We really want to come back here and kill all of you and wipe you out. So we don't think you're going to be able to abide by any of these... So just know that they made Carthage pay an absurd amount of money back. They made it so Carthage wasn't allowed to declare war with anybody else without Rome's without Rome's permission. And it's not as if Rome's going to go running down there to protect Carthage. If Carthage is in trouble, you essentially tied their hands behind their back. Well, remember about five and a half seconds ago when I said Carthage was really, 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 really rich. They paid off their debt almost immediately. They just started making so much money and started paying it down to get out from under the Roman yoke. They paid off almost immediately. But Numidia, they're right next to Carthage, and that's actually what our story is about today. They're right next to Carthage, and they're not friends with Carthage. And think what it's like having Big Brother right next door for all this time. It can be taxing. You're never number one. You and I will never know how that feels, Lord willing. We've we've been, we've spent our adult lives being number one in the world, let alone number one in our region. But I think about this a lot when I think about Eastern European countries butting right up against Russia you have this gigantic grizzly bear breathing down your neck at all time with a rough, rough history of what happens when they decide they're going to come take you. That's got to be an odd feeling, doesn't it? You go to your border in some of these nations, you have troops on the border. Not troops guarding against illegal immigrants. You have people guarding against a Russian invasion. A Chinese invasion. China and India, they have border scraps, but people are dying as we speak all the time. They hate each other. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different mentality. You and I don't know that. And like I said, Lord willing, we won't ever know that. We don't know that. But Numidia, they're looking at Carthage, two Punic Wars, having to pay all this money back. The military is not really much to speak of. They're not allowed to declare war on us. They're really not allowed to fight back. What if 
what if we poked him in the ribs a little bit, got him really, really mad, and we declared war and took over Carthage. Rome has already chopped Carthage down to nothing. Now's the time. We're not under them anymore. Let's aggravate them a bit and then go take them over. And that's where so much of the money was in the ancient world, remember, it wasn't in the war itself. War is now and always was very expensive, but war got very, very profitable back in the day. Why? Well, we'll talk about that. And slavery reparations passing. Oh, boy. Hang on. out catch up jessekellyshow.com you start telling yourself some things whenever you're sitting by the hospital bed of somebody you love with tubes coming out of them i have blood pressure problems in my family i have heart problems in my family that's simply the kelly tradition I, even at 39, don't have the luxury of just ignoring that. I have to take care of my heart. So I started looking around. I started asking around. And you know I hate pills, right? I despise pills. Super beats heart shoes. Super beats heart shoes. All natural. They help my workouts. They help it when I eat right. They are a multiplier for being good for you and me. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. And when you buy two bags there, you get the third for free. Seventy bills across 26 states designed to protect Female participants in sports, what has the great oracle been telling you? Balkanize. Go somewhere where you and your family can be safe. It's the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have, well, sports parents. Gear up for this one. I'm going to try to get to this next hour. Sports parents. We have to talk. We have to talk. But back to our story. Ancient Rome, roughly the year 100 BC. That's not right. I only just give you rough things because who really cares whether it's 100, 112, 99? It's old. Before Christ and old. Numidia, they want to be the ones to finish off a weakened Carthage and not the Romans. Why? Remember this, Rome, the ancient world in general, viewed war differently than we view it today. You can argue they viewed it in a more evil way. You can argue they viewed it in a more practical way. But war was generally only really costly if you either A, lost, or B, 
were fighting somebody who basically had nothing, which you'd never do because there's nothing to go to war over. War used to come with spoils. We fight wars now for nothing. Just a gigantic gigantic money suck. It's what they are. What, on a macro level, not to get too deep in the weeds and distracted here, what are we hoping to get out of Afghanistan? Whatever you think about that, I've been very vocal about what I think, but what do we get? And see, this is when the moral argument comes into play. It's not about that. It's about so kids can read and stuff like that. That's that's how we think of war now. War back then, war for most of human history, came with spoils. When you won your war, you took what you pleased. And back then, you wouldn't have just wanted the goods and services you could you could take from Carthage if you took them over. You wanted the slaves. Everybody became slaves. Most of the time, the men had to die because they were of fighting age. Women and children, slaves. Slavery, remember, is the history of the world. Contrary to what your college professor who hates America and wants it destroyed told you, it's not some uniquely American invention. The history of the world. Whatever your heritage is, somebody in your history has been a slave. And somebody in your history probably owned them. Don't have to love it. That's the history of the world. And slaves were so absurdly profitable, absurdly profitable, millionaire after millionaire after millionaire just in the slave trade in the ancient world. Numidia starts poking Carthage in the ribs with the hope of finishing them off. Carthage may be a little down on their luck, although still making a ton of money, but they're still a proud people and they decide they're not going to take that anymore. And they declare war on Numidia. Remember, Carthage was not allowed to declare war on Numidia. Rome was sitting there just waiting for an excuse to come take Carthage. Boom, Carthage violates the agreement, declares war on Numidia. Rome says, now it's on. We're coming after you. We'll set that aside because it's not about Carthage. Let's focus on Numidia because Carthage goes down. Rome takes it, burns it to the ground, salts the earth behind it. The the kind of thing we should do to the public school system, but that's another story entirely. Now we have Numidia here. Numidia is a little salty. They're, they're, They're real salty about not getting to take down Carthage. And they have their own internal struggles, mainly because of a man named Jugurtha. Yeah, I know what a great name, Chris. Jugurtha was a warrior, a Numidian warrior, and the Numidians were famously very, very good in a fight, as we'll find out in a moment. And he had, as many people had back in the day, served under Romans. Rome was always taking this unit from these people and this unit from these people. And they were really good about educating the people under them. They had taught Jugurtha how to fight. They had taught Jugurtha how they fought. And they were very impressed with Jugurtha. Now, Jugurtha wasn't supposed to take over Numidia. He, I'm not going to go into all the political intrigue behind it. Let's just say some people were murdered. And Jugurtha just so happened to be the one who wasn't murdered and ended up in the chair. It's weird how that happened. 
But Rome eventually spits Numidia in two. They give Jugurtha half of it. They put their special guy on the other half of it. Jugurtha says, no, 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 no. I want the whole thing for me. He invades. Now Rome is mad. Now you're trying to bounce somebody out of the throne who we wanted there. Rome declares war. On top of this, Jugurtha, when he unified Numidia the hard way, the Abraham Lincoln way, oh, quick, Chris, we can make jokes. When he unified them the hard way, he killed some Romans. You don't kill Romans. You don't harm Romans. As we pointed out, Rome, to their credit, greatest empire in the history of the world for a reason, Rome was famously brutal on anyone who harmed one of their citizens. You remember the book from the Bible. It's the New Testament, so Chris won't know this. But when Paul is arrested and he's about to be flogged, and he says, are you going to do that to a Roman citizen? And they all start pooping their pants. Oh, no, uh, uh, I didn't know you were Roman. Sorry, sorry. There's a reason. Rome wanted its people to feel safe when they traveled. If you want people to feel safe when they travel, if you want them to feel like they're under the, the protection of your nation when they travel, well, you can't send a bodyguard with them at all times, but you can make an example out of somebody. An example is a powerful thing. Enough people had been made an example of you don't hurt a Roman citizen. Jugurtha made that mistake, kills a Roman. Now Roman legions are marching into Numidia. But Numidia is rocky, it's desert, it's mountain, it's crappy terrain. It's not great. I remember, we're in northern Africa. We're not in lush, black-soiled, beautiful Rome. We're, it's, it's rough. And Rome, because they're Rome, and you're coming off a few Punic Wars, and you're, you're feeling like, eh, pretty much untouchable, getting a little bit cocky. And it's understandable they would feel untouchable. They just fought not one, not two, but three heavyweight fights against the heavyweight champion of the world, you would probably consider at that time, Carthage, and won them all. And the last one by decisive knockout. If you're Rome, you're not going to get challenged by this. Okay, kind of strong, but nothing near Carthage. People and not think anything of it. They march into Numidia and promptly lose half their force. They get ambushed. They completely underestimated the warrior-like nature of the Numidian people. And the force, remember I said they lost half? They might have been considered the lucky ones because the other half had to do something the Romans called passing under the yoke. Essentially, your army had to march underneath. I mean, think about a sign that said, you guys are a bunch of sissies. That's what they had. It was the it was the most dishonoring thing ever. If it happened to you as a commander, you probably, it was not uncommon for them to kill themselves. The troops who had to walk under it, think how horrible this is, were oftentimes ostracized from society. Simply not welcome back. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. But it's not quite over yet. These are Romans, after all. Hang on.
Jake's Mint Chews will help you quit dipping tobacco. I am qualified to do very few things in this life, but when I tell you something will help you quit dipping tobacco, you can take that to the bank. Because however much you love dipping, or that relative or friend you're thinking about getting Jake's Mint Chews for, however much they love dipping, trust me, I loved it more. I didn't even want to quit. I just knew I needed to quit. That's how much I loved it. I needed a transition to help me get off of it. And I tr- Look, I tried everything. I tried the patch. I tried sunflower seeds. I tried cigarettes because I'm dumb. Jake's Mint Chew, no tobacco, no nicotine, sugar-free. It's good for you. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That'll get you 20% off. Remember, if you miss any part of the world-famous Jesse Kelly show. I can say world-famous, Chris. If you don't want me to say world-famous, then don't give me the international podcast numbers. Now I'm going to say world-famous. It could be only one listener in Antarctica, but now it's world-famous in my mind. That's how I look at things. The world-famous Jesse Kelly show, once it's done being nationally syndicated for the day, goes up, podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes, leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We have a bunch of new reviews, and man, these are so, but look, Chris, they're just so honest. What? This one's titled, Your Good Looks Are Blinding. You stimulate the mind with interesting history segments and spot-on political analysis. This one's titled, Love the Show, You Handsome Muppet. I don't know what Muppet means, but that sounds nice. This one's titled, This Man is Insane. Jesse Kelly is a dangerously insane human being. He's constantly talking to the voice in his head that he refers to as producer Chris. If it weren't for his dashing good looks, this podcast would be a dumpster fire. Five stars. (laughs) I love you guys. All right. Quit distracting me. Back to our story. Let's try to get this thing wrapped up. Rome gets half its force wiped out. The other half humiliated, passing under the yoke. Now, this this happens a lot to Rome. In fact, it's happened to great powers throughout history. You get awfully cocky because you've won some wars. And you're looking around at your Roman legions and the shiny armor and the long spears and the shields and everyone. I mean, and they were very good. The Roman legions were absurdly good. And you start saying to yourself, man, we know what we're doing here. And (laughs) this this upstart ain't going to get it done. But you get slapped around once or twice And if it doesn't cost you your existence as a nation, you wake back up and realize, okay, we need to take things seriously like we did before we got rich. Rome now takes things seriously. Rome now sends in a man 
who knows how to win wars for Rome, a man who has saved Rome before. His name is Gaius Marius. As I've told you before, as much as I hate government schools, I actually won't blame them for this. Your your teacher doesn't have enough hours in the day to teach you all these things. I do a three-hour radio show every day. I'm never going to get to all the history stories I love, ever. They keep me on the radio for 10 years, 20 years. I'll never be able to get to all of them. But Gaius Marius should be a name everybody knows. Everybody knows the name of Julius Caesar. Everyone does. Gaius Marius should be as popular as Julius Caesar. He was the seven-time consul of Rome. General, wiping out huge armies, cool quotes. Gaius Marius was a juggernaut. He just was never really an emperor. So he didn't get all the pub. Gaius Marius comes down. And he decides Rome is going to conduct this war a little differently. They'd previously done the march your large army thing, go try to find a large Numidian army. The Numidians won't ever fight until they're ready to fight. And this was frustrating Rome. Marius goes down, and he's fought these kind of wars before. He says, oh, well, okay, go ahead and retreat. I'll burn your entire country to the ground. And... Now we're getting into really the lesson of our story for the day. I want to ask you something because I want you to picture this. The Numidian army under Jugurtha, they're avoiding Gaius Marius. They don't want to take on this legion. And Gaius Marius isn't like the last guy. He's not going to get cocky and caught out of position. They're avoiding him. Gaius Marius has to win this war. Gaius Marius starts burning every Numidian city he can find to the ground, killing or enslaving the entire population, destroying every bit of their industry he can find. Not even concerned about the army. I mean, he's trying to watch for it, but not my problem. Go ahead, run from me. You'll you'll be an army over nothing but dust by the time I'm done. Let me ask you, was he morally right? Was Gaius Marius morally right? And you have to look at this from two different ways. You have to look at this from a macro level. Sure, you got to win the war, don't you? You got to win the war. You can't lose the war. Okay, well, that that looks great from the macro level, and that's easy to say considering this is over 2,000 years ago. Now put yourself actually on the ground as the village burns and the child dies. As mom and the daughters get chained off into slavery horror somewhere. Now was it morally right? And you can't blame him for those individual things like slavery and stuff like that. That was the custom of the time. It's not like he was going to be an anti-slavery crusader. What is morally right when it comes to combat? Combat is the history of the world. War for a country, war against other countries, individual battles. Always has been, always will be. What is morally right? Total war campaign for Gaius Marius. Total destruction. Jugurtha starts to lose the few friends he has in the area because they're seeing the writing on the wall now. Rome has a real man in charge of things. He is handling his business. And Jugurtha has 
the bulk of his wealth, the bulk of his treasury. Remember, wars cost money, and when you're Jagertha and they're wiping out your economic base, your money's disappearing. He keeps the bulk of his money in a mountaintop fort. I'm going to mispronounce it. You're welcome to email me and correct me, but I went to community college. I'm not going to feel bad about it. The mountaintop fort was called Maluka, M-U-L-U-C-C-H-A. It could be Malucha, Malaucha. It could be Tom. I don't know. That's how I pronounce it, the Maluka. There's a Maluka River there, and this fort on top of this hill is called Fort Maluka, at least in my mind. But the problem is Jagertha kept his money in Fort Maluka for a reason, You see, it's virtually impossible to take. It would be nature's perfect place to build a fortress. And in the ancient world, they were not stupid. They looked for those types of places. What do I mean by perfect place to build a fortress? Well, one, it's on top of basically a rock mountain. There is one way up, not multiple ways, one way up. You can't can't defend it. You can't defend yourself when you're coming up. And there's fresh water inside the fort. There was a mountain spring, which gave them fresh water. Half a siege is getting someone to starve or die of thirst. Jagertha stocks his treasury in there, stocks food in there, and you have virtually endless supplies of fresh water. And he puts some crack troops in there. Your Gaius Marius... You want this place. You want it bad. You keep setting up some of your normal siege equipment and trying to get it up this one path to the fort. But the fort keeps breaking up your stuff, setting your stuff on fire. You can't get it there. You are at a complete loss if you're Gaius Marius. And this is Gaius Marius. This is not his first battle. He's looking at this place and saying to himself at this point, I think we might have to move on. This place is impregnable. I don't think this place can be taken by any mortal human being. But then you you wake up one morning and something very interesting happens. If you're Gaius Marius, you will enjoy this. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. 
You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Jewish producer Chris wants to know if I ever wanted to be an archaeologist. I will answer that question in just a little bit. We have, well, the U.S. Army halting gender-neutral fitness tests because the women aren't doing as well. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Locals. Hi, I mean, you follow me on any of them. I don't care. But I highly recommend on Locals because that's the one where I won't get banned. Every day now I'm getting messages from people. I can't believe you're not banned yet. How are you not banned? You're going to get banned for this one. Jesse, you can't say that. I am going to get banned. When I get banned from it, Locals is the place I won't get kicked off of. Why? Well, I know the owner. (laughs) And the whole thing is founded on just don't break the law. You post whatever you want here. And I do. Let's finish this up. Gaius Marius, 100 BC-ish. He's at the bottom of Fort Maluka, a rocky fort, one way up. He's getting ready to give up the siege and just move on and go burn other stuff down, even though he really wants Jugurtha's treasury inside. And one day, a man goes out looking for some food. One of the Romans goes out, they're at the base of this thing, and he's looking for snails, edible snails, and he finds some, and finds these snails, and he picks them up, and he looks up above him, and oh man, there's some more snails up there, and he climbs up and grabs some more snails, oh wait, more snails above him, and he climbs up, and he climbs up, and he climbs up. And soon he finds himself at the base of the fort. And he sees a tree right by the base of the fort, a climbable tree. And he climbs it too. The man, the Roman soldier in disbelief, climbed the back cliff by accident and found himself in a tree that overlooked the walls of the city. Clearly smelling a promotion, he goes scrambling right back down the hill and makes a beeline for Gaius Marius' tent and says, "Uh, Boss, I know you're not going to believe this, but here's what I found. Marius licks his chops and comes up with a plan. And the plan went off perfectly. You see, Marius gathered up his troops, put them in formation, Put their shields above their heads. I'm sure you've seen this kind of marching in the movies or something like that. And had them start marching up that one dangerous path towards the fort. Knowing the Numidians would once again beat them back, charge out, and get them. But Marius wasn't only sending the troops up the path. He picked four of his warriors and four 
of his trumpeteers, they say he picked his most nimble trumpeteers to go back around to the snail cliff and climb their way up, sneak up the cliff, sneak up the tree, all eight of these guys, sneak into the city and hide. Hide for what? Hide for that moment when the Numidian army comes charging out of the fort, which they did, runs into the Romans, which they did, at which point the Roman trumpeteers that have stuck into the back of the fort start blasting their trumpets. The Numidians, completely scared, confused, think a gigantic army got airdropped into their city. They turn around while they're engaged with the Romans, charge back into the city. It's nobody there. It really sucks. We actually don't know what happened to the trumpeteers and the four warriors with them. I wonder if they died. I would assume they did die because the Numidian army would have went running right at them and there would have been no way out, no easy way out of the fort. Nevertheless, the Romans, hot on the Numidian army's heels, charge into the city through the now open gates because they were distracted and take it all. Thus ends the siege of Fort Maluka. (sighs) Military stuff is funny stuff. Military stuff can be difficult to talk about for a couple different reasons. One, I don't know what this is, but there's something in men, at least American men, the ones I've encountered, who feel this obligation for military service. Not that everyone does it, but I can't count how many dudes I've talked to who haven't done it, who express regret over it. You ask him about it, oh, no, I meant to, or I should have, or something like that, which is weird to me. I did it, but I never viewed it as something every guy has to do. But guys who don't do it feel, do you feel that, Chris? You weren't in. Chris, Chris, perfect example. Tried, they wouldn't take him. Just there's something about it. So that, that makes it unique. Another thing that makes it unique is it's exclusivity. Why is it so exclusive? Hang on, we'll talk about it. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
Exclusivity. The military is exclusive. Should be exclusive. We want it exclusive, right? But why is it exclusive? Because it's about life or death. We all get exclusive about the things that are about life or death, don't we? 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, email your love, your hate, your death threats. Email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. I'm going to start sprinkling those in, as you've noticed, more and more throughout the week. I'll start trying to answer one or two throughout the week. All your emails go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them off. I read them. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many. I don't have time. But jesse at jessekellyshow.com and... You can leave us a voicemail if you don't catch us live. We play those two. 877-377-4373. Why is the military exclusive? Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.